big, big type, it's like a children's book, without pictures. I thought of drawing a picture, but then I didn't. Um, and I'm going to really labor to break the habit of preaching for 40 minutes. Because I've got 20, that's what I've got. I've got 20, 18 minutes, looks like. But with that big a type, I should be able to get through it. Familiar story, and I'm going, what's going on, Pastor Wilson? Uh, the birth of Jesus. And you say, well, I'm familiar with that story. It's Christmas, and it's natural that we pick something that is, say, in that world. Um, but before we go any further, let's ask God's blessing. Dear Lord, we're grateful for 2,000 years of your son's grace provided to us in his incarnation, his crucifixion, and his resurrection from the dead. We'd ask that you would bless us in revisiting this aspect of it. In your son's name we pray. Amen. In Matthew, you get the, the story of the birth of Christ different ways. Luke is your primary Peanuts version. They read that on TV all the time. Days of Caesar Augustus, the census, the shepherds, but not the wise men. The wise men show up in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. Now, many people discuss why the wise men are there and there only. They argue over when did this happen because it's obvious that Mary and Joseph are in a house, not in a manger. Um, uh, at the time the Magi show up. All of this because it's fun to think about who they were, who were the Magi, uh, generally presumed that they came out of the East, that they were Parthians or Persians or perhaps Zoroastrian astrologers of some sort uh, that were called the Magi. That is the word used for them. My translation said wise men, but uh, it can be used that way, or it can also be a particular religious. We get the word magic from it. Um, there's a, uh, uh, a a quick, I think I've, I've mentioned this before, a quick historic piece of information. People wonder, well, Jesus could have been upwards of two years old by the time they got there. House, not a manger. The babies in the, in the slaying of the innocents by Herod later in the chapter, he said two years old and younger. Um, and it, so figuring out when Christ was born. I don't think uh, we got that much leeway because in, um, at the end of this story, because uh, we don't cover this this morning, but Joseph is warned about Herod's intentions. They flee to Egypt until Herod is dead. Herod dies, they come back, find out that Archelaus is, is uh, king of Jerusalem, so they leave and go to Nazareth. In Luke, it lets you know that when the days of purification had come, for a male child, I think 36 days, something like that, they went up to Jerusalem, that's where Anna and Simeon blessed the child, and then they go to Nazareth, back to Nazareth. So you have a, a, a length of time, about six weeks, before the trip through Jerusalem to Nazareth occurs. In one case, it's after the trip to Egypt, and in the other, it's after 
the, uh, the, the, the time of purification. They both can work just fine, but you have to shorten the amount of time that they run away from Herod. Right before Herod dies, Herod dies, they come back immediately. And the trip to Egypt is really from here to Spokane. It's not that far. So, um, week on the road, a week back. So, uh, it seems that Jesus, you heard it here first, was born in 4 BC, because that's the year that Herod died. So there you go. But that has nothing to do with what we're covering this morning. But some people think the story was made up and put in here to be a, a, a kind of an anticipation for the Gentile mission, that Gentiles came. I don't think it's made up. I think it's got the, the read of a real story. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. I have a question over on the side here. Why did the Magi come? And they tell you why they came. We saw his star, we came to worship. When Herod, Herod the king, Herod, I'm slipping into my English history here. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. <coughs> and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now it's interesting that he has that response to this. King of the Jews, star in the east, we've come to worship him. It seems that the wise men must have said more. Or everybody's anticipation. Herod is thinking automatically of the Messiah. Because that's the category that that fits into. Star rising in the east. King of the Jews. Expectant of worship. They told him. These are the scribes and the chief priests. In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Now that's out of Micah. Not talking about David. David was from Bethlehem. He is a ruler. He's the Davidic, you might say, image of the ruler out of Bethlehem. It's kind of, kind of what you hope for. David was such a wonderful king, everybody wanted. And the prophecies were out of the line of David. Out of the city of David. So you basically, Herod wants to know where the child is to be born. And when, he's, when you ask the same question of him that you asked of the wise men, why do you want to know? This answer is the same. I want to worship him. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem, saying, sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Okay. Sounds like evangelism sweeping the planet. The wise men want to worship, Herod wants to worship. But we, we know the rest of the story. We know what's suspicious of Herod, for heaven's sake. His name's Herod. These are, these are not good people. He killed so many of his family members. And this, 
if you knew Herod at this point, if this is the year that he dies, he's killed his own children, he's killed his own wives, he's just, he's, just, he's, he's, he's paranoid. And a lot of people have died in the palace and everywhere because Herod really was nervous about power. He'd been appointed by the Romans back before Rome had fully locked things up in Palestine. And he won the war against the Parthians that had tried to overthrow Roman interests. And so he was very popular with Rome, but he was very nervous because he was an Edomite. He was an Edomian. Now, hence some of the problem. He had married, one of the wives he had married, what was her name? There was two of them named Mariamne, and I think it was one of them. And Mariamne's uh, descent was through the Jewish Hasmonean dynasty, and that was how he got his legitimacy, and how Herod Antipas was viewed positively because he was a child of one, that, that woman. So they were more Jewish than the others who were, who were Edomite. So there's real concern there. But he says he wants to worship. I left it in red, just like it was for the Magi. In verse 2 and in verse 8, I want to come and worship him. Now, some of you know my dad, and you know that if you ever get him on the subject of worship, he gets a little bit you know, tweaky because he... This is not a worship service. You say, yeah, I've been in much better worship services. Well, he would say it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how many hands are waved in the air. It doesn't matter how moving the music is. It's not a worship service. You can, I mean, we, we use the term because this what's been handed down to us. But there's something different about what the Magi have come to do. They have not come... to express themselves well, how we do in songs. Some of these hymns are, are just great. Uh, some of the songs that people sing in other churches are just great. My daughter's church have got some, they've got some great um, uh, praise sorts of things going on. And we sing those as if worship was being done by saying great things about our God. We're, doing, we're praising him, that's certainly... Uh, we're dressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But there's something else here. When Herod says he wants to worship, and the Magi say they want to worship, what do they mean? They don't want to go to an event where they get to sing songs about this baby. We just sang a lot of songs about the baby. It's Christmas time. You want to do something else. When it tells you in the law that you should not make a graven image. Right? Is that correct? Is my memory serving me? You say, I think it was at uh, Exodus 20. Let's get the wording. One. You shall not make for yourself a graven image or, or any likeness of anything that is in the earth of heaven above or is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them and serve them. 
There might this I, I, and I don't know if this translation is I've read bow down and worship them. What is that in? Uh, um, it's the same thing in Deuteronomy five. Whatever the case, that's more the nature of worship. When you bow down to something, when you fall to your knees. Now you may have been in a moment, you know the difference. When you realize something about your God in Christ, whether you're out in the woods or on the golf course or in the church building or at home by yourself, and you must fall to your knees. There is something amazingly stiff about that joint. Difficult to get down on when at 62, it's difficult to get down and back up. But you know what that emotion is. I mentioned it to you when I gave you a part of my testimony a few weeks ago about knowing I could not ask the Lord to be my savior without getting out of my bed and on my knees next to it. Until I could not just ask him on my back, under my covers, snug, admit that I was a sinner. Now, I know there's nothing magical about being on your knees. And we don't have prayer, what do they call prayer rails on your, these pews? Nor do we have an altar call where you come down and fall on your knees. Because I don't want to turn part of this event into something that we show expectations about. As sincere as someone may be. But it's good for you to know that people can claim to be worshippers like Herod or worshippers like the Magi. Now some of what's going on here, if we don't have any really obvious uh, prophecy that the Magi are functioning off of, um, oddly enough, they're operating with more information that the Bible gives them. And they're not even from the Bible, Bible lands. They're from Persia someplace, out in the east. They're astrologers. They've noticed something in the stars. The only thing that comes close is out of Numbers 24. Why does, why does Herod want to worship? Why does he want to know where Jesus is, the Messiah is? Numbers 24. Now, Numbers 24 is the story of Balaam, the son of Beor, who is a Aramean, a Mesopotamian prophet. Not a, you wouldn't want your kids to grow up imitating him. But he really was a prophet. But he wasn't a Jew. And the pagans, when the Jews were coming through in the book of Numbers, um, is it Balak? Hired him to prophesy against Israel so that the, um, the Israelites wouldn't be victorious. He comes in and he can't do He's the one that the jackass spoke to. Remember that story? You get a lot of information about Balaam. He ends badly, but in the, me in the meanwhile, he comes and he cannot say but good things about Israel. And this is one of them in Numbers 24. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened. The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows 
the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down, but having his eyes uncovered. It's just a little bit of that image of what it's talking about with prophecy, uh, not prophecy, worship. Falling down, but seeing what's going on. I see him. This is the closest thing we have to a prophecy regarding the Messiah and a star. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not nigh. A star shall come forth out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also, his enemies, shall be dispossessed while Israel does valiantly. By Jacob shall dominion be exercised and the survivors of cities be destroyed. Well, you can understand if that's a prophecy that's on Jewish minds for the Messiah, whatever extra the Bagi had brought into it from their astrological knowledge, a star shall arise out of Jacob. This is back in the 1440s B.C. This is, this is as far back as the Dark Ages are from you. Somebody saying something to, I don't know, what's a good Dark Ages king? Vortigern, king of Eng England. This is like King Arthur's time from us. And it's just as vague. A star shall arise out of Jacob. But what's the key thing? A king is going to come. It then is echoed in a number of different anticipations in the, all the way through Micah with the passage quoted. And here, Edom shall be dispossessed. Herod is an Edomite. When Christ comes and he's doing what you don't want him to do, you might admit that Christ is coming. He wants to know where the Messiah is going to be born. They say in Bethlehem, hey, let's go to Bethlehem and find that kid. He ends up killing all the kids in Bethlehem. He doesn't, not that he doesn't believe the kid's alive, not that the, kid, the Messiah is there. He does not like what he's going to do. He's going to rise to the throne, but I'm the king. He's going to explicitly destroy Edom. I'm an Edomite. And when they heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. What's the basic takeaway point from church this morning? Short sermon. A lot of people will talk about worshiping Christ. A lot of people don't like what Christ has brought. Doesn't, don't like what rule Christ what it is going to express. And don't like the fact that they're personally Edomites, and Christ is going to dispossess the Edomites. The rule you have, you're not going to have. Christ is going to be he who is sovereign. And there are people who, when they find it, just find the house he's in, whether it's your church, or whether it's your home, or whether it's your friendship, whether it's the message itself, 
they rejoice on finding it, and going in, they fall down and they worship. And then they're told, that other guy who said he wanted to worship, don't even go back and tell him. They know very well that the opportunity to worship is not what we ought to be giving everybody because everybody isn't ready to worship. They want to eliminate Christ's effect. They don't wish for what the Magi wished for. They just see Christ as a threat. Some by anti-antagonism to Christianity. Some by joining Christianity. Some by offering to be a part of what we're doing. I just recommend, that's something you can stop. People have been infidels about this for a long time. There's a lot of Herods in the world. Um, just go another way. That's what they did. They departed to their own country by another way. You don't have to make a case out of it. You don't have to fight this in the church. You just go another way. So that when you approach Christ, you approach him to worship. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, who you are, what you are to us, each of us, is a greatness that we have each seen, that we meet in our own lives in all sorts of places. We'd ask that we would have the capacity, expectation of worship of your son. We thank you for him. We are glad to be together this morning with those who care for him. Bless us each and bless the rest of this Christmas day. In your son's name we pray. Amen.